You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. So happy to have you here with me today. Uh, this is the call-in show for the Packernet Podcast Network. If you want to call in, you can do so at 608-501-0718. Leave a message. We'll talk about it. We'll see how things go. Um, it's open to whatever you want to talk about. We try to keep the Packers, but uh, it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. Um, with that said, why don't we get started? We are getting pretty well caught up. I don't know if we're going to get all the way caught up today, but with that said... If you've been kind of holding off on calling but are kind of on the fence, do me a favor, go ahead and call in, because uh, by the end of today, tomorrow, we might be out of episodes. So anyways, Trevor, what's going on, man? Hey, Ryan. Uh, I don't know why everybody would be so upset about you talking about quarterback. Uh, it's literally speculation season. Every team that's been eliminated from the playoffs, that's what you're doing is speculation, and it's the most pivotal piece to our season next year that needs to be figured out. So, uh, I mean, that's... I I don't know. I get it that it's kind of a you're beating a dead horse, but it's like, all right, let's not talk about quarterback. Now what? There's I mean, nothing else is really that interesting. I mean, you you can get into the weeds. I mean, there's the draft and there's free agency and there's salary cap and there's other like that kind of stuff. But in terms of first of all, none of that is easy to do because I can't tell you what's going to go on with the cap. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the draft, and I can't tell you anything until I figure out this quarterback situation. Um, so, I mean, it, it is, it is the most important thing. It's the biggest issue going on. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to come up. Um, also other people seem to want to hold me to a standard that I can't be held to. For example, some people will, um, sort of, you got to understand I have a podcast. And it's my entire thing here to have an opinion on things. And if I don't have an opinion on anything, then I don't have a podcast. So that's just kind of how this goes. <laughs> so you, I mean, it as a fan, you can do whatever you want. You can say, I just don't bother myself with things or I don't really try to worry about things. That's fine. I can't do that. This is a podcast. That's That's, you know. Again, if you want me to just read the news and be like, here's what so-and-so said, but then again, that's all they're talking about is quarterback, too. And there is no actual news news, so I would kind of, you know what I mean? I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? So it is what it is. Um, I don't know. You talk about whatever you want. Everybody else can shove it. Uh, but anyway, with Rogers' McAfee interview, I thought it was interesting. He kind of seemed to allude to, like, which we kind of knew, you know, he wants to come back to the right situation, but he, like, specifically mentioned... Lazard, Cobb, and Mercedes Lewis as wanting them to be there, you know, to keep going. And it's just, I don't see any way all three of them come. I don't no. see any way two of them come back. I don't either. Maybe we keep one of them. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. If I, I would be surprised if Mercedes comes back, period. Um, I think if he chooses to come back, we would pay him because he's not that expensive. And I do think he plays a fairly pivotal role in what we do. Uh, Lazard... 
I don't have a lot of faith in the Packers bringing him back. They may because I think the Packers really like what he brings, but I think this was kind of a reality check. This was sort of the he's going to be the number one, and it became very abundantly clear that he is never going to be anything other than the Lazard that he's always been. And again, on top of that, not saying that the staff and PFF see things entirely eye to eye, but I have a really hard time believing that his grade plummeted because remember, PFF, to start this year, I looked at it and said Lazard and uh, Sammy Watkins might be the two highest graded blocking wide receivers in the NFL, and they're both on the Packers. PFF always said he was a high grade. I mean, maybe not the number one. That might have been a little blown out of proportion. There's other guys that can do it well. But he's always been graded out very highly by PFF. For, for him to plummet this year in that regard and for the Packers to just wildly, completely disagree, I find that hard to believe. I'm, in other words, the Packers noticed. So not only did they realize he's never going to be anything more, even if we give him the opportunity, even if we thrust him into that role, even if we treat him as the number one, even if he gets all the targets and all the reps and all the all the plays designed for him and all that stuff, he just doesn't have the capacity. And then for him to even lose his utilization as a blocker to not even be as good as, as a guy like Christian Watson or, or maybe even Romeo Dobbs for that matter, again, according to PFF, that would be the case. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't really understand the purpose other than we're kind of thin without him. And if he's willing to come back for the for cheap, which I doubt, um, then maybe. Uh, and then for Randall, I just I don't. Again, it's it's just maybe because we're thin, and if he wants to play, which he may not, he may just want to retire. Maybe, but I I do have a hard time seeing two. I would guess one of the three, but zero of the three would make sense. One of the three would make sense. Two, potentially. Three, there's no way. I mean, I'd, not zero, but it's, you know, I'm less than 50% on any of them coming back. The odds that all three come back are pretty low. For the appeasement factor, which I don't even like, but um, I don't know. It seems like that. But and also with quarterbacks, I think we are drafting a quarterback this year no matter what. If Rodgers comes back, we probably are going to ship off love, potentially. And then we need another quarterback. Um, and if Rodgers goes, all we have is love. Right. So, you know, you're looking probably at least mid-round yep. to late I to agree. get another quarterback to bring in there to be a backup. So, Which is funny because, you know, it, it, maybe I'm I'm the idiot here, but I, this realization hit me like a week ago. How How – not just possible it is that we draft a quarterback, but entirely probable that it is that we draft a quarterback at some point. Um, I even saw somebody on Twitter today, I'll keep it nameless or whatever, but something to the effect of like, you know, who do you think we're drafting and, and don't say quarterback, even though that would be silly or ridiculous or whatever. And I'm like, no, that's, it's absolutely not. Like that's probably what we're doing. Um, again, first round, I don't know. And and there is the possibility that Rodgers comes back and Love is like, no, I still want to be here. And they really like Love, and so they don't draft a quarterback. But even then, it's po- because, again, now it's just Rodgers and Love. And and you can get, I mean, undrafted free agent, whatever, but they're going to bring in a quarterback from 2023. It's either an undrafted free agent, maybe several, but more than likely at least a late round, potentially a mid-round. And if they think Love is gone, then... The earlier, the better. Then we got Danny Etling, but I'm not. Whatever. I think we'd be drafted a quarterback no matter what this year. So I think it's definitely worth looking at in the draft. I doubt it'll be early, but I think at some point we're going to take one. Um, I was curious with Basakia coming in, just as a whole for the season, where our special teams end up ranking in the league. Um, I'm not really sure where they ended up. So just uh, curious on that. I thought I had another question, but now I think I forgot it. So go back, go. So, um, via DVOA, the Packers ended up um, 18th. I know that's probably lower than people are expecting, but you got to remember we were straight trash like the first half of the season and then like the number one special teams the last quarter. So, overall, they had them. And let me look at, uh, let me just go straight to special teams and look at weighted DVOA. Um, Green Bay, well, they only go, they go up to 12th, which is, if you look closer to the end of the season than the beginning of the season, they're twelfth. The in specifics, uh, they ranked 
Let's see. I don't even... Why don't you sort these? No, I don't know. They were second on the season in kickoff return. Actually tied for first with Buffalo at 11.8. By the way, the conversation of domes came up uh, yesterday, or yeah, yesterday sometime. And um, one of the things DVOA or uh, Football Outsiders has, they've got hidden points and weather points. And that is how many points did you gain or lose based on elements of weather, altitude, et cetera, et cetera. Um, domes would obviously be a positive, weather would be a negative. The Packers were the second most negatively affected next to Baltimore. Uh, they estimate that we lost almost seven points due to uh, adverse weather. 6.8, Baltimore was number one with 6.9. But behind that is Washington at 5.4. So that's kind of what I mean with the negatives of not being in a dome. We see it as like our own home field advantage, that this, that, or the other. But other teams, they're, they're, they go home to their domes half the season, and then half of their away games are in domes or maybe more than that. And so their field goal kicking, their punt returns, all these things are positively affected. For us, it's negatively. And, and yes, the opponent that we're seeing directly in front of us is also negatively affected. But if you take it over the course of the season, we end up scoring less points as a result. It's kind of like I never understood the baseball thing. And I'm probably sounding super ignorant, but I don't care because baseball's stupid. But how do you have baseball stadiums with different walls? Doesn't that make it a different distance? to get a home run, whereas in some stadiums it would have been a home run and on others it's not. That seems entirely wrong to me. How many guys in garbage stadiums are hitting what would be home runs in other stadiums that aren't counted in your stadium because it's just a different build to the stadium? Imagine if some stadiums were like 100 yards and or you know NFL fields were 100 yards, some were like 102, 107. Some of the field goal posts were like, you know, a few feet higher or lower doesn't make any sense. Just build the stupid thing the same. Anyways, that's what special teams was. Hey, I remember what else I was going to say. Um, I know LaFleur has come out and said Joe Barry's safe, um, but I don't know if he specifically called out the own coordinator. I know he did mention he'd be open to Hackett coming back, so I just feel like there's still the opportunity or potential for a shakeup in the offensive coordinator role. You know what? Just, just, just hit me like a ton of bricks. It all just it it all just came together. I think we're getting a new offensive coordinator. Um, yeah, <laughs> all the little pieces just kind of came together in my brain. So we've been hearing a lot about you know you know we there's so many things I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Let's start with the not blaming Aaron Rodgers thing. Now, granted, Matt Lafleur has thrown other people under the bus, but he's also talked a lot about coaches and not supporting Rodgers properly. Okay, that's piece number one. Piece number two is, as you said, he did say that one was safe and on the other talked about, yes, we are definitely willing to reach out to somebody about the offensive coordinator position, which is a very weird thing to say because it's basically saying we have a vacant offensive coordinator spot. But here's number three. Aaron Rodgers has talked about, you know, again, because he's been sort of evasive on the problems with the offense as well. And my thought was he's got some dirt to dig up. And when he retires, we'll hear all about that dirt. I think I missed it a little bit. I don't think it has to do with when he retires because my thought was he's going to dish on either, either and or Matt LaFleur guys in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. I completely missed the fact that it's very likely the offensive coordinator. And I know Aaron Rodgers is also complaining about play calling, which I believe is still Matt LaFleur's job and all that stuff. But the specific words he said is, I have a lot to say. He's, he said it a couple times. I have a lot that I can say, but I don't want to say it right now. He said that in his post-game interview. He said that on Pat McAfee, but the specific wording he said is, I want to respect the process, so I'm not going to say anything right now. Again, my thought was, he's kind of talking about the the process that they're going through in terms of maybe, you know, if they stay together, obviously you don't want to throw your coach and everybody else under the bus. But I think the process he's referring to is the process they're going through in replacing their offensive coordinator. He doesn't want to say anything negative about the offensive coordinator until the team has gone through their process and kind of done all these things. And maybe that's part of the reason they're being evasive about not really talking about specifically what went wrong. But in reality, our offensive coordinator was a freaking disaster. Trev, I think we figured it out, man. I think we solved the riddle. I'm excited, man. I feel like that's a slam dunk. I think we got it. Uh, with Hackett and then also, you know, the Jets fired Michael Floor. And yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't say it. I, I would say it. 
the Mike LaFleur thing would annoy me just because I think uh, the biggest annoyance with a lot of people and Matt LaFleur has been his tendency to hire people that he knows. And it's not that he doesn't know good people, but it's it's very unlikely that his friends and former coworkers are the best for the job, right? Um, now, granted, he did try to hire outside of that for defensive coordinator with Jim Leonard. He turned it down, and then his second choice was Joe Barry. But still, it gets to be a little, little annoying, um, and you kind of hope that they have a better process for determining the best person for the job than, and, and granted, there's security in that, because there's a lot of questions and a lot of unknowns about guys, and, and those all get answered with guys that you've worked with in terms of their how they operate and did, can they do the job and all that. You, you know all those things with Joe Barry although he probably doesn't score out quite as well in some of those other areas in terms of competence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but even even the offensive coordinator position, did we promote from within because it was the best possible candidate or because we just felt like, you know, he earned that job and, and we want to give him a, an opportunity, which I understand that. That's the whole Mike McCarthy thing is guys get hired away, you're happy for them, and then you promote from within, and that's how a team dies from the inside out. Because we would never we never hired from outside. We constantly promoted from within. And again, what, what ends up happening is all the whenever you promote somebody from within and they do a great job, they get hired somewhere else. And you continue to promote from within until you find somebody that's not good at their job, and then they never get hired away. And if you don't ever have the stones to fire anybody and maybe that's an unfair way to say it, but I'm going to say it that way anyways because the guy ruined our football team over it, Mike McCarthy. Um, he, he, he's a nice guy, you know? I mean, he's, he's got that tough persona, but again, he always defended his players against the media. He never threw anybody under the bus. Um, and again, he always wanted to promote his guys from within and give them jobs and to help them get bigger jobs. He wanted them to go out and be head coaches and all that stuff. The guy had a big heart. But, but the point is, the coaches and the players and the relationships and his friends and all that stuff, that took a bigger priority over being a cold-hearted, cutthroat, what do I have to do to make this team the best in football? That's the biggest priority. And if that's your biggest priority, he should have fired guys a long time ago, and I don't want Matt LaFleur to go down that path. So if he decides that this was a disaster, fine. He needs to either, if he's willing to accept it, go back down, which would be great because I think he does a great job with the offensive line. If he's not willing to accept that, then he's will just fine to go out and see if he can find an offensive coordinator job somewhere else. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, um, considering how the season went and the fact that the Packers, it wasn't just that, uh, you know, they, they, they basically are blaming him for the offense. So if you want to pick him up because he understands some stuff, that's fine. But um, yeah, that, that, that would be my biggest concern with, Hire Lafleur, hiring Lafleur, especially since he just got fired by the Jets. I mean, everything with the Jets is going fairly well. I mean, the defense is starting to figure it out. Uh, they're drafting really high quality pieces, which obviously helps. And having a lot of really high picks is obviously going to help. I was, I was looking at it, uh, the Jets, and and how many, how good their draft was. Somebody, somebody had done an article or something highlighting the best draft class from this year and, and the Jets were really high and I looked at it and basically all of their really good players came before the Packers first pick if you look at everybody at the Packers first pick or later they're not that good I, I, I could be missing one or two but that that's that like sauce Gardner the guy he's like the only pro bowler from the entire club I mean the guy's a stud no doubt about it um, but the Packers didn't have an opportunity to pick in the top three or whenever he went you know but um yeah, I mean, everything seems to be working except the offense and the quarterback in particular were a complete failure. And this is the guy that got blamed saying, look, we got a good thing going here, but you're a disaster and you're not good at your job and you're fired. Why would we hire that guy other than it's Matt LaFleur's brother? So I don't really want to do that. I don't really understand that. Um, there is familiarity as far as, you know, he worked with Shanahan, just like Matt LaFleur worked with Shanahan. So they both have an understanding. Matt LaFleur shouldn't need him to teach him anything about how Kyle Shanahan works because he worked under Kyle Shanahan for a very long time. Um, he should know everything there is to know about that system and that scheme. So no, I, I, I don't like that. I, I think we should look outside and I think we should focus on teams that had really good offenses and work from there. It's funny. I just pulled up a list cause I haven't looked at it yet. Top offensive coordinator candidates. These candidates suck. Um, 
Bill O'Brien. I mean, maybe he'd be fine. I know he was a disaster as a head coach slash GM, but okay, you got Bill O'Brien. Cliff Kingsbury, no. I don't want anything to do with his style of offense. Zach Robinson, Rams quarterback coach, considering how the Rams are doing right now, I think we're good on on Rams people. Adam Gase, for crying out loud. Uh, Chad O'Shea, the Browns wide receiver coach. I mean, maybe, but why? Um, Matt Patricia, no. Joe Judge, who I think is a special teams guy. I think I, I know right now he's the Patriots quarterback coach, but he is a longtime special teams coordinator. So nope, good on that. Uh, Nick Cayley, Patriots tight ends coach. You know, again, any of these guys could have plenty of knowledge and all these kinds of things, but I don't know why this would be where we would start our search. What are they bringing here from teams that that we need? What do I need to learn from the Patriots right now? Not a bunch. Patriots offense ranks 17th, 26th in yards. I understand that has something to do with the players, and you know, there's. Uh, I don't care. We need to find out which offenses are thriving in the NFL today, not the ones that won with Tom Brady like five years ago, largely because of Tom Brady. You got uh, Scott Turner, former Commanders offensive coordinator. I don't want anything to do with anything Commanders related, like zero things. I think Frank Reich is interesting if he's willing to to do that. Um, from what I understand, most people were very upset that Frank was even fired. I know the team kind of went down south, but I think the players kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I know Frank Reich was doing some, some great things, especially with, uh, Philadelphia when he was there, which is why he got the head coaching job. And then Indy just went through the roof and then they lost a the quarterback when never able to replace it. And, you know, other things went south as well, but it would be worth considering, I think. As, as, as far as the whole list that I've seen, Frank Reich is the only one that's kind of interesting to me so far. It's hard to go wrong with the uh, offensive coordinator that made Carson Wentz look like a superstar, and then when he went out, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl with him. You know what I mean? I mean, stuff like that that gets you, gets you a head coaching job and whatnot. Something else to consider is, if assuming Rodgers knows this, and he's talking about the process, I wonder how much offensive coordinator plays into his decision. For example, just reading up on Frank Reich's offensive scheme. I know it's, uh, well, it's listed as West Coast, although when he was the offensive coordinator in uh, with the Chargers, I believe it was Earhart Perkins. So he's he's got multiple different things that he's worked with in the past. But anyways, these broad terms don't generally mean anything anyways. So here's what Frank Reich said about his offense, right? We learned about Matt LaFleur based on what he said. Here's what Frank Reich said. We will be multiple attack, up-tempo offense. We'll be aggressive. We'll change things up. What I mean by multiple is we'll use multiple personnel groups and multiple formations. We'll change the tempo, and we'll be a str- uh, there will be a strong element of the no-huddle offense. We'll build the players around that kind of scheme. The reason I mentioned that thing about Rodgers is what did Rodgers say? He wanted more tempo. I just wonder how much, if a guy like you know an established guy, that I think the players and coaches and everybody was really upset when Frank Reich got fired. So I think players and everybody really, he's very well respected. He's done some great things. And if he comes in with a, a philosophy, and granted, Matt LaFleur is still the head coach, so I don't know how that would really mesh. But if if this is what we're planning on doing, it feels like an Aaron Rodgers thing, right? Don't, doesn't it feel like this gets Rodgers all tingly? Multiple formations, attack, up-tempo, aggressive. It's not like check downs, wide receiver screens, throw to the tight end and run the ball a ton, take five minutes to get up to the line. Just a thought. Probably him, Matt said, like, hey, I could bring my brother over here and be offensive coordinator, you know, have a little brotherly mind meld thing going on. I mean, I, I don't think Michael Floor was the problem with the Jets and Salah's comments were kind of seemed like he didn't even want to fire him, but the owners needed somebody to go for their fall second half of the season. Uh, um, it could be. I mean, he's working with the fall guy. Zach Wilson out there. Whenever he had another quarterback, Mike White, Flago come in, the offense was much more confident. You know, they don't have many pieces out there. Um, but he definitely got the running game going before their rookie guy, I forget his name now, got injured. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what your thoughts on are, are on if there's a possibility of a shakeup there still. Maybe, maybe before already said, looks he's safe and I'm, maybe this is pointless, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like Hackett and his brother are both being out there now. I feel like there's potential for OC shakeup in Green Bay, but I guess we'll see. Go back, go. Yeah, I mean, in reality, Hackett makes the most sense. I mean, the, we know that it works. We know that, um, you know, the, the offense thrived. Everything that we wanted to do with the offense, Hackett was able to execute it. 
Um, there's no question marks. And, you know, unless there's a reason to believe that we can massively improve, but um, Hackett is probably not going to get another head coaching job. So if he's moving back to offensive coordinator, why would he rather go? Why would he like to go anywhere else? If he wants to be a head coach, he needs to go back to Green Bay and prove that he can still be that guy. Now, the only reason he wouldn't is if you watched Green Bay and said that team is falling apart now that Devontae's not there. If I go back there and it doesn't improve, people are going to realize that I wasn't really the secret sauce. Whereas right now, people are starting to wonder, I wonder if he was a secret sauce, which is why he's probably getting a ton of calls for offensive coordinator. Because there's a lot of people realizing, no, he can't be a head coach, but look what happened with the Packers when he left. And even the Packers, again, seem to be kind of leaning that way, which could also be part of the reason they don't want to mention it. You start saying, hey, the reason we fell off is because we don't have Hackett, and guess how much money people are going to be throwing in Hackett's face to come be offensive coordinator. So we're going to keep our mouth shut. We're not going to talk about it. Um, we'll blame the, wide, the rookie wide receivers for everything in the offensive line, and then uh, we're going to go get Hackett. And once we get Hackett back, then then you're allowed to kind of as politely as possible, mention that the problem was that offensive coordinator is terrible. I don't know. I don't know any of these things, but um, I think that's it. I'm thinking that's it, man. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break right here. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Uh, please consider checking out fertilegroundranch.org. See if that is an institution, an organization you'd be interested in supporting. Um, otherwise, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Ryan. I just wanted to talk about, you know, the state of the team, what to do with some of these contracts. And, you know, I, I love Rogers. will always love Rogers. And, you know, if he wants to come back, you know, I don't know if you can say nothing to him, but I think the, I'm also a big fan of love, but putting aside both of that, just looking at it as what's best for the team, um, I think you, you kind of have to realize that, you know, with with where we're headed and the cap, I think it's time to start moving on from some of these older guys and and letting the cap reset. And I know some people say the cap is fake. Um, it's not fake. It also isn't as big of a deal as, it, as you know, made out to be. But what scares me is you can push out contracts, but when those players leave, you get dead cap hit for one to three years. Right. And if you only do that with one guy, you know, say Rodgers, you know, we can make that work. But if you push out contracts for Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers, and more, you're going to run into a situation where a year or two from now, Jordan Love starting – but we got nothing to surround them with because we're paying, you know, 20 to $30 million, maybe more for dead cat hits for three to five guys that are no longer on the team. So my concern isn't even running it back for one more year again, although I think we learned this year that that's not going to work. My concern is we're setting up Jordan Love for failure or whoever our next quarterback is if it's not Jordan Love because – we're not going to have any money to surround those guys with the talent. 
um, you know, we're going to be in a, you know, a few year window where we're really recovering from the cap. So that's what scares me is you can kick cane on the road, but you do it too long and it'll definitely come back to bite you. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'll never understand the salary cap as a myth thing. I mean, it's, it's just look at it. There is physically a cap on how much you can spend. There is. And every single dollar that you promised to, to to pay will be paid. That's not a debatable thing. If you push some of that money back, fine. But, I mean, there's a reason why the Packers were so tight this year and couldn't go out and get free agents. And it's not just because, you know, well, because we spend so much on the guys we have. That's not enti- Well, partially that's true, but not entirely. You know, there are some inflated contracts based on pushing money out. For example, $7 million for Dean Lowry seems a tad excessive. But in, in addition to salary caps, them, or, or, you know, salary hits, cap hits of players kind of spiking and peaking that cause your salary cap to squeeze, there's also dead cap. Do you know what our dead cap hit was last year? $30.6 million in dead cap. 306 so we pretend like nothing is wrong. We pretend like everything's fine because we just, you know, it's no big. We could have had 30.6 million more dollars to spend this year had we not done irresponsible things and made bad decisions with salary cap. Do you know we spent $11.4 million on Zadarius Smith? We paid Zadarius more than the Vikings did this year. Did you realize that? You know why? Because we kept going all in and we kept pushing that money out. And now the bill comes due. We spent $6 million for Billy Turner. I believe he was our second most expensive offensive lineman aside from David Bakhtiari this year. He wasn't even on the roster. We spent $3 million for Kevin King. On top of, I mean, there's, there's got to be, be 50 guys on here that had dead cap hits, including guys that are on our own team. But Patrick Taylor, Chandon Sullivan, Amari Rogers, Tip, uh, Tipa Naliai, Kylan Hill, Micah Abernathy, Jay Sternberger, apparently we're still paying for, Jonathan Abram, Jack, Jack Heflin, Jawan Winfrey, Ladarius Hamilton, Kamal Martin, Kamal freaking Martin, Innis Gaines, Kobe Jones, Corey Ballantyne, Cole Van Lannan, Sean By. I mean, most of these are minor. But freaking, come on. Just look at the top three. It's $20 million. For Kevin King, Billy Turner, and Zadarius Smith. Why? Because we decided to go all in later. So this is the hidden cost that people don't see. They pretend like there is no salary cap and, and everything's basically free. You don't think we would have done something with $30 million if we had it laying around or, or just call it 20 if you just look at these three? And the great thing is, yeah, once you get out of it, guess what? Zadarius is completely off the books. Billy and Kevin King, they're off the books now. No more dead cap. Great news. Everything's wonderful. But that's unless we just continue to do it. And then every year we're going to carry this $30 million dead cap hit or, or more because we keep pushing money out. And eventually when the person leaves, it, it just punches you right in the gut. How do you build a competitive team when your salary cap is $30 million less than other teams? And it's not uncommon. I mean, this is a normal thing. The Packers are actually pretty run of the mill at $30 million, but that, that's the point. It's not free. These decisions have consequences. Pushing Zadarius Smith's money out cost us $12 million so that he can go play for the Vikings and help them get to the playoffs. And again, we're <laughs> second most expensive. Uh, and, and actually, I think that's more than what Preston, we paid for Preston. So our number one edge rusher in terms of cost, more than Rashawn and Preston was Zadarius. And I think our second highest priced, um, maybe Elton technically is, is on the cap for more, but I don't think he was at the time. I don't know prior to his contract being signed. Second or third most expensive offensive lineman is a guy that's not on the team anymore. I mean, you can't do stuff like that. And, you know, if we decide to move on from Aaron Jones, that's a $10 million dead cap hit right there. $10 million dead. Now, we save an, ad- an additional 10 because we're paying 20 for Aaron Jones. So we can pay 20 for him to play or 10 for him to not play. It's because of all the restructuring we've done on his contract. David Bakhtiari, I mean, as good as he is, I'm sorry, but he's getting his cap hit is $29 million. And we can't really cut him. I mean, it's certainly not just outright. There's the post-June 1st thing or whatever. But with uh, leaving that aside, we're talking $23 million dead cap hit. You can't do it. So the only option we have is to restructure him. 
which is to push it even further down the road, which doesn't just make the salary cap go away. That's absurd. We're just delaying the inevitable. $24 million for Kenny Clark, $20 million for Jair, $13 million for Preston, $11 million for Rashawn, $8.2 million for Devondre. Some of these are they're a little more expensive than you'd like them to be, and there's nothing we can do about it. If we did move on from David Bakhtiari and do, you know, post-June 1st designation, which probably a trade would actually make more sense because I'm sure he's worth a ton, but it's still going to cost us $11.5 million this year and next year for him to not play for us. We would save $17 million this year and $21.5 million next year, but still, it's just... And again, the, the entire point of it, it's not because this is just how you do contracts. We did it specifically so that it would be lower on the front and heavier on the back and more so than normal. I know that that's normal. This is more so than normal. And it puts us in a real tough spot. Usually the Packers are real good about backloading contracts, but the guarantees are dried up at that point. So you cut them with almost no dead money. This is not the case here because we needed as much free money as we could so we could pack all this talent and all this stuff in there and top and on top of all the inflated contracts we needed to be able to afford because we're going in and then going in and then going in and then going in. It's, it's just, I mean, come on, man. It's real money. I don't, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't understand how you could even debate that it's fake. The contracts themselves can be fake in terms of how much of it is actual guaranteed money, but just speaking in terms of guaranteed money, all the money that's guaranteed is 100,000% guaranteed. That's it. So again, and, and, and this is why I want to start cleaning this up. All the contracts that we have that are just a mess, we need to start getting out of. Whether that means cutting them and taking the cap hit. This, and by the way, this is why the rebuild makes sense. Or if you don't want to call it a re, some people get upset about the semantics. It's not a rebuild, it's a retool. Whatever, dude. You know what I mean? There's, there's degrees to rebuilding, for crying out loud. We don't need to come up for new words for every single degree of rebuilding. But the, the point is, you're going to take on a lot of dead money getting out of these contracts, which means you're not going to have a lot of money to be able to do the things you need to do. We need to be able to pay the guys that are core pieces, and we need to get out of the ones that are not. And we're going to take an absolute punch right in the mouth, and it's going to hurt our cap significantly. And we're going to ride that out. But when we come back on the other side in a couple of years, now we get a fresh start with the salary cap. We don't have to continue compounding our issues. Let's just get out of it. Yeah, hi, Ryan. Kuzi uh, from Wausau. Kuzi. thought I'd wait a little while after the dust settled to uh, give you a call. And I just wanted to leave a few thoughts. I saw the Rogers uh, McAfee thing, and it actually got me feeling kind of better because it seemed like he might be open to being traded. Yeah. And... If there's one trade that to me makes the absolute most sense, it is the New York Jets. And the reason why is he wants to win a Super Bowl. Well, to do that, you need a really good, young, aggressive defense. Yep. Check. You want some skill on the outside. They have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Yep. You want a running game, which they had until Brees Hall got hurt. He was averaging almost six yards a carry. Right. Um, and obviously they have a, a major problem at quarterback. They're not going to trade up for a top pick because after Zach Wilson, I don't think they want to take a chance on blowing it again. Right. So the best thing they can possibly do is get somebody like Aaron Rodgers. Um, they don't have a real top 10 pick, but they got the 12th. And if you could get the 12th and maybe another pick out of it, um, a third or a fourth or something, um, that'd be great. So, um, to me, it just makes a lot of sense, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, a couple other things, you know, I heard so much, uh, with the Detroit game, especially about, let's, uh, let's pause there for a second. I, I do really think that makes a ton of sense. Um, and, and by the way, I've kind of shied away from the the trade thing, partially because people are going to throw an absolute hissy fit about it, but also partially just because it feels like the least likely by a mile scenario. But that is absolutely the best case scenario, is that we trade Aaron Rodgers. Him staying does not equate to us winning a Super Bowl, and it, again, is going to continue to compound the issues because we are not going to actually clean up things. Some things are going to happen out of necessity. For example, Mercedes Lewis retires couple other things maybe we decide to do responsibly, move on from Lazard, whatever. Um, 
Not that he was in massive drain, but let's just, again, cut losses when it's the right time to do so. Um, but him coming back is, is not the best case scenario. Him retiring is a solution, but obviously him leaving and us getting compensation for it. And I know some people are like, oh, I just can't picture him going somewhere else. And what if he has to, dude, I don't care. I don't care. We're not going to win. Let him go be great with the Jets for a year. Whoop de freaking do. They win a Super Bowl. He's the greatest, blah, 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 whatever. We've got a draft pick that is going to be with us for hopefully the next five, six, seven, eight, nine years. And, and, and again, as you said, I think you said 12th, I think they're picking 13th, but um, that's right around the range. We drafted Rashawn Gary. So that's a significant deal. Um, also, and I know these, these things are uh, very inaccurate, but it's the closest that you can come to being accurate, I guess the compensation roughly, if you were to decide to trade up could get you up to about pick three if that's what you wanted to do, which, oh, oh, oh my goodness, this would be the greatest thing in the world. So, so here's the thing. (laughs) Keep pick three in mind. One of the things that if you listen to any mock draft or whatever, they keep talking about the Bears. I think they should just stay and pick. I think that's the right thing to do. Bears fans don't like that, obviously, because they they think they're going to get 17 first round picks because they're in dreamland 24-7. But they 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 want to. I, I just listen. If you've got a guy that is going to transform your organization, if it's if it's the pass rusher, if it's the defensive tackle, if it's a quarterback, whatever, just take them. Don't risk losing them. But the most likely thing, the thing that makes the most sense is that they do trade, and the team that makes the most sense is the Colts. I mean, the Texans also are an option if you can talk them into moving up. You get a little bit of compensation. Um, about according to this, it would be about four hundred, which is. Uh, a second round pick. I'm sure they would get more than that, but that's what the trade chart says it's worth. But anyways, the the most likely, the most mocked, the most thing that I've seen is is to Indy. It makes a lot of sense. They absolutely need a quarterback and you're not really going back far enough where you're probably going to lose anybody. But imagine Indy moves up, they take a quarterback. Houston takes a quarterback. And so Chicago is essentially banking on being able to get their guy at four, depending on what Arizona does. But the Packers will have the opportunity to go up to three, get the top non-quarterback in the draft, which is probably the top player in the draft, and steal it right from out from under the nose of the Chicago Bears, which is probably Will Anderson, potentially Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle, which would be hilarious to get Jalen Carter next to Devontae Wyatt, another Georgia guy. But let's also not forget that we're well within range of, of getting quarterbacks if we're talking potentially pick three. I mean, you're guaranteed one of the top three quarterbacks, at least, which would make people super upset if we traded Aaron Rodgers and then gave away both first-round picks for, for another quarterback. But um, that would potentially be the situation we're in. But nobody wants to talk about that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, talent. And, and at premium positions, again, edge rusher, defensive tackle, Miles Murphy is an edge guy, Tyree Wilson is an edge guy, uh, Brzee, potentially is is within range of us to draft anyways but he's defensive tackle or like you said if you just if you don't trade up I mean and by the way you could trade up with one of them you could package you know pick 13 and our second round pick to move up and get somebody or whatever but even if you don't here here's what somebody else had done they traded back from pick 15 and got uh Michael Mayer and Bijan Robinson got me all jacked up but you could do something like that oh I'd be so excited you can get a wide receiver and um, Michael Mayer, you can get an offensive tackle and a wide receiver, an offensive tackle and Mayer. Endless combinations. Fans complaining about how there were fans of the other team in Lambeau Field. And it just kind of, I, I don't know what people expect you to do. I mean, people that have to sell their tickets are going to use online things. And if you go to StubHub and put your tickets up, they're not going to ask whoever's buying them, hey, are you, uh, you're not going to root for the other team, are you? Um, so it, and plus every Packer fan that talks to any other fan during the year, what do they say? Oh, you got to go to Lambeau. It's a bucket list thing. You got to do it. And then people do it. And then they complain that there's people from other teams there. So I'm not sure, I guess. What- well, here, here's my thought process. It, there's, there's several things. Number one, if you're a season ticket holder and you have tickets and you're not going, that's weird to me, especially a, a, a big game like that. Um, number two, the very first thing you should do if you decide you're not going 
even if let's say you have season tickets and you know I'm going to these games, all the games you're not going to, you need to be marketing them to Packer fans. And maybe that's something we need to do is have a Packer fan. Um, I don't know how you would like protect that in terms of not letting other fans in, but um, you know, have a marketplace. But if nothing else, I mean, put it up on local Craigslist or any of these other places just to try to make sure it goes. And you can go on, on Twitter. You can go on Facebook and say, hey, I uh, I want to keep Lambeau green and gold. Any Packer fans, DM me. Otherwise, I'm going to throw it up on StubHub, and, and it's probably going to get bought up by a Lions fan. And then it's off. Then it's then it's out of your hands. If nobody buys it, fine. Then you did you did the best you could. You can't make it to the game, and you tried to offer to Packer fans, and they can't go. So fine. Um, and then the third thing would be, yes, there, there's a marketplace, but why are there more Lions fans buying those up than Packer fans? That's weird to me for a rabid fan base that lives in the area to not want to go. And I'm I'm one of those people, but I don't I don't go to games, so I don't know. It's it, it I don't think it's true that Packer fans don't go to games more often than other teams. So I don't know. So there's there's many layers of this is weird to me. Because it, it's it's not like it's always been this way, where Lam, Lambo's always like fifty percent blue and during Lions, no, it's not. This year in particular has been more so. And and the disappointing thing about it is everybody's been talking about the Packers and saying, "Watch what happens when you guys stop winning." Suddenly the the stadium's not going to fill up anymore. And we're like, "Yeah, right. You don't understand the Packers. You don't understand our fan base. You don't understand our history. You know, we were terrible through the '80s and the '70s, and and we sold this place out no problem." And we have one down year, and suddenly I'm seeing just seas of purple and blue and and uh, navy blue and all the other colors from all across the country just completely filling our stadium. Why aren't we going to the games? Why aren't people that usually go to the games going to games? Why aren't season ticket holders going to games? Why are you a season ticket holder if you don't want to go to the games? And again, I, I think if you are a season ticket holder and you're like, I'm going to go to four or five games, you need to know ahead of time what games you're not going to and try to get those in the hands of Packer fans. I mean, I'm not asking you to take money out of your pocket, offer it at a discount, anything. I'm, I'm talking about this, this, is, this is not a, a massive amount of work to just throw it up on social media or talk to your friends or, or whoever and just be like, hey, I got these tickets for these games. Uh, spread the word. I want to get them in the hands of Packer fans. I mean, th- I see that stuff on Twitter all the time. People do that. I got tickets. I want to make sure Packer fans go. If anybody knows, let, you know, let me know. You can tell me and I'll... I'll talk about it on the on the show and say, we got these tickets. I mean, I'll start the thing myself. I'll have a little thing where if everybody that's, I mean, it doesn't matter now, but you know, we could have done that. People who have tickets that are Packer fans that are not going, that want it in the hands of Packer fans, let me know. Give me all that stuff. I'll make a giant list of it. It could just be an Excel spreadsheet that I share with uh, Packer fans, location and price and quantity. You could even have contact information on there and they can reach out to you and try to negotiate with you and whatever. I'll grant you that it's much easier to just say, map StubHub. But I mean, you asked, I don't know what you expect us to do. That would be, I think, the expectation to do something to at least try. And again, if there's no response, then you got your answer. Go recoup your money. And, you know, then Lions fans and everybody else will buy them up. And that sucks. But again, that's where the other part falls on Packer fans as a whole. If we're not going to go to the games, then I guess there's nothing we can say about it. But it just it just sucks that all of a sudden Packer fans don't want to go to games anymore. Can't blame it on the economy because the stadium's getting filled. It's just getting filled by everybody else. People are expecting it. Um, so we'll see how everything plays out. Um, in the meantime, I guess we hunker down and wait for the draft. Um, I did hear earlier I was going to... I was going to harp in on Charlie Jones, but I heard you talking about him already. I just think he'd be great in the slot. Um, the fact that he really only had a breakout year in his senior year, I attribute that to the fact that he played two years at Iowa. Yeah. Um, Iowa never has and never will be able to throw the football. So why he went there, I guess maybe because he got a yeah, He got cut off, and I don't think he called back, but um... – I like Charlie. Uh, I'm, I'm, I need to start putting these things down a little bit because I'm, I'm already forgetting. It took me a minute. I'm like, Charlie Purdue, what is, who is that guy again? Um, yeah, I, I, I like his route running. Again, he's the guy that I, I believe I was saying, if you want somebody that's going to get that mind meld thing with Rodgers where it's just down to timing, you know, you need that third down pickup 
and he's just going to come out of his break and boom, the ball's there and he catches it. He's got good hands. Kind of, kind of like he would kind of fill the Dobbsy role. I mean, it would more or less be the Randall Cobb, but in terms of how we think about Romeo Dobbs, in terms of intermediate routes, good hands, you know, catching away from his body. We some of the catches that he made, kind of with his hands away from his body, I had flashbacks of Romeo Dobbs making a couple of those catches. But yeah, I think he comes in. I think he's a boundary guy at Purdue, but you know, obviously you'd make the transition when you come to the NFL. I think he would end up moving into the slot. Could be wrong. I just don't think he has a ton of speed to win on the outside. I'm not sure he necessarily has a bunch of physicality to win on the outside either. But um, yeah, as, as, a, as a mid-round option, I think that would be, I think I'd be okay with that. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Charles Janitor. Hey, Joe. From Connecticut. How are you? What's up, buddy? I'm good. Uh, long time, no talk. Right. Well, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to, you know, give it a good week. Can I just stop there? I'm very happy that we've had so many callers saying, I wanted to give it a week, and now I'm back in it. Because every other year that we've had these devastating playoff losses, and I understand that's going to hurt a lot more than this year when we kind of came to terms a long time ago with this team not being great and probably not going to win a Super Bowl, which kind of takes a little bit of the edge off. But, I mean, seriously, half of the messages I got were, I got to I gotta get out, I, I can't handle this. I got to check out for a little bit. I can't handle football right now. And they were gone. And then I would get those same messages back in like August. Like, hey, man, I'm back. Like, oh, wow, you really were gone that whole time. That's crazy. So I'm sure some people are doing that, but it's encouraging for me to have so many people say, all right, I took a week. I'm good. Uh, Let that loss settle in. Um, Honestly, I'm just grateful we didn't get pounded by the 49ers because that would have happened anyway. My brother's a 49ers fan. And I'm just tired of being uh, let down in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, losing to the Lions twice uh, in a season is pretty lowly, but, you know, I'll get over it. It was a very good season. It had its ups. It had its downs. Uh, I'm grateful that I got to be a part of it. Um, I got to watch it. It's great. Um, I also want to say thank you, Aaron Rodgers, uh, for a wonderful career in Green Bay. Uh, you know, really appreciate you, love you, um, but it's time. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to talk about the Rodgers stuff. I had to bring up some of it, but after listening to McAfee, it's like um, – you want to bring back Cobb. You got to bring back Cobb. You got to bring back Lazard. You got to bring back Mercedes. You got to bring back this guy. That's like the dude. You want Cobb back, Ryan? No. Do you want Mercedes Lewis back, Ryan? I want a clean slate. I'm sick of this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm ready for uh, Jordan Love and some new players. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Rodgers is, is going to play. Again, next year, um, if not for the Packers, like, uh, he's got a cute little 23-year-old or 26-year-old girlfriend. Probably looking to impress. Um, So I doubt he'll retire at 39 going into 40 when he thinks he can still play. He's going to play. Just hopefully we trade him now so we get something done, uh, you know, while he's worth time, because if he has another season, like he uh, just had this last year, he's going to be pretty worthless. Um, he's going to be worth less. Anyway, my two cents. Uh, yeah, and I think there should be some coaching changes, for sure. And, and that doesn't include bringing the Daniel Patchett back. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to run it back again. Hey, it's your biggest fan. It's Stan Sloan. Yeah, I... Again, I don't know the answer to the question of how much that played into it. Um, I mean, if, if if he did... If he made the offense as good as it could possibly be, I don't know why we wouldn't want Hackett back. Um, if we're kind of looking at the failures of 2019, 2020, 2021, and saying, I don't want to replicate that, and Hackett was a part of that, then I, I guess I get it. But it's just, again, there's so many variables in terms of, was he the problem? Was he the solution? I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm getting the impression that the Packers feel like the offensive coordinator situation was a massive issue. And whether or not Hackett is the the quick fix to kind of get us back on track, I don't know. But, you know, again, there, there's there's way too many pieces to kind of just speculate on those things. But uh, I, I can understand where you'd be coming from, from just wanting a complete refresh, not just Rodgers, but no more Hackett, no more of this, no more of that. Just let's start all the way over. Um, I'm not to that point yet, but I'm rapidly evolving as we move along here. Hey, Ryan, this is truck driver Bob. What up, Bob? Calling from my hotel room out here in Nebraska. Nice. Been sitting under a, a parking lot as Interstate 80 has been shut down and we have absolutely nothing to do but sit and stare at the four walls. All right. Sounds good. It's a lot of fun, believe me. Yeah. So, while I'm sitting here, I was thinking about you and your show. Thank you. And I had a uh, important question I'd like to ask you. And uh, this is what it is. What would you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> and what is your favorite flavor? All right, so we got a, we got an issue here. Um, there's flavors of Klondike bars? Is this a thing? I didn't know this was even a thing. I mean, I guess it makes sense that you would have different flavors of Klondike bars. I just thought Klondike bars were Klondike bars. You know what I mean? Um, products, bars. See what we got here. Original vanilla, crunch bar, which makes sense. I guess I did know that they had the crunch. They got the mint chip, Reese's ball. Dang, they got peanut butter, double chocolate. Whoo, cookies and cream bar with the crunchy top. No sugar addict can go right in the trash. Um, dark chocolate, yeah, I would try it, but it's not really. I'm a milk chocolate guy all the way through. Heath bar is fine. Dang, I want to try the peanut butter one, man. I'm all about that peanut butter. Um, well, my favorite would have to be, well, see, would it be original or cr- probably crunch? I think my mind, when you say Klondike bar, goes to the crunch bar. Um, what would I do for a Klondike bar? Um, I haven't really told anybody, and if, if everybody's wondering why I'm so angry on the podcast and everything, uh, you know, it's getting a little hostile. It's not just because the season ended. Um, me and my half-Mexican attorney, Blaine, decided that we were going to do something fun, and fun for us is going on like a crash diet because we're stupid. And so um, it is fun, but it makes you a little snippy. So what would I do for a Klondike bar? Um, I would kill all the dolphins, all of them probably for a Klondike bar. Granted, I, w- I would do that for uh, for a slice of bread at this point. But um, yeah, I would do things for a Klondike bar right now. I need to get off this page because these things look good, man. <laughs> Dang. I, haven't, I don't think I've had a Klondike bar in a long time. It's one of those things that is, it's, there's so many things that are just so common that you mention it and be like, you ever had a Klondike bar? Like, of course. Like, everybody knows what a Klondike bar, everybody's had a Klondike Like, when's the last time you had a Klondike bar? Oh, geez, I don't know, 20 years? I'm in a Klondike barn forever. I feel like when I was a kid, I just experienced so many more things. <laughs> I feel like now that I'm an adult, I'm free to do whatever I want, and I just choose to do like the same four things over and over again. I was a kid. I was like, dude, I had everything I remember. I was like, oh, I remember I had that when I was a kid. Like, did I just do something new every day when I was a kid? Those little plastic bottles, you know, the wax bottles filled with juice. My daughter, one of those, like, dude, I had one of those when I was a kid. The ice cream things with the, the, the styrofoam that come with the little wooden spoons. It was the best ice cream in the world. I used to eat those. I haven't had one of those since I was a kid. I haven't had anything since I was a kid, aside from the four main food food groups, which are, you know, tacos, burritos, burgers, and and uh, pastries, and then uh, work, podcast, sleep, change diapers. I think that's I think that's it. I think that's all the things. Oh, TV and movies, uh, that stuff. Occasional video games. Usually, I'll binge them and then get tired of them, and then binge them and then get tired of them. I think that's it, though. But yeah, dude, Klondike bars are good. We, in this world, mm-hmm. sitting in the snowbanks, waiting to get back in our trucks and back out in the routes, want to know, <laughs> what would you do for a Klondike bar? There you go. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know, man. I uh, I think that needs to be added to my list of things to do one of these days is get a Klondike bar. Because I haven't had one in a while. But... um yeah, I would uh I would I would like a Klondike bar, absolutely. 
Hey, Ryan. It's uh, Jersey Mike. Hey, so, Jersey Mike. Um, I've been thinking and mulling over Aaron Rodgers and his recent comments about, you know, looking for another MVP season. And quite frankly, I, I think sure there's I a really lucrative trade in front of us. And somebody mentioned it during the season. And I think it's with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. There you go. Now, hear me out. Okay. The Jets have a very close pick to ours. I believe it's 12. Sorry, I'll stop. And I think they're going to be a really good team. So, with a quarterback, what yeah. they could do to bolster that Jets unit that really needs basically a quarterback and a tiny bit of offensive line help, right? I think this is what you do. You take Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari Ooh. and trade them to the Jets Dang. for something like a first, second, third, fourth this year and a second or a third next year. Okay. Um, then maybe maybe a seventh or, or something like that uh, towards the later rounds. Yeah. It drops off our Bakhtiari contract. I think we still owe Rodgers a, a, a bit. But what it does is it basically gives the Jets exactly what they need to go on a serious playoff run. I think that Jets team is easily the best team in that uh, in, in that division. Right. I mean, I don't think Tua could hang on with them. And I, I quite frankly, I think the Jets defense is amazing. So if they had a semi-competent quarterback to complement Brees Hall, they've got some really good wide receivers. Garrett Wilson is, is a fantastic rookie. Him and Christian Watson, to me, seem like they're going to be the next best things in the NFL. Um, so I think that gives the best opportunity for, for Rodgers to go win. Um, and, and get another MVP run with some really good pieces around him, a really stout running game. Hopefully, Brees Hall comes back. Um, and what that gives for us is the option, like, my, my thought was, let's look at the first round, and I've been playing a bunch of mock drafts and, and flipping things around, and for some reason, I'm constantly getting Quen, uh, Quentin Johnston, uh, TC wide receiver, to fall to 12. Yeah. So with the 12th, I constantly take him, and I think that you go at... Uh, 15, I think you either go Jordan Addison or Michael Mayer. And, and I think what that, that enables us is to just give Jordan Love two amazing weapons, complimenting, you know, Watson, Dubs, uh, you're moving Tom, you know, on to left tackle. So it just, it gives you the ability to not have a great offensive line and still have a powerhouse of an offense. Hey, what's your thoughts? Go ahead, go. Um, yeah, I have no idea what the compensation would be. I do think we'd have to pay for David Bakhtiari still. There's a pretty big dead cap hit, even if we trade him. Um, in fact, I don't think there's any difference between trading and cutting, which would be, uh, unless it's post June 1st, it's a $23 million dead cap hit for David Bakhtiari if we trade him. Uh, so, and we'd have to do that if we're going to get him traded for the draft. Um, so that would be a massive hit. We would save still $6 million and he'd be off the books entirely for next year, um, which would be nice. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I don't super hate it. I think if we did it, one of those picks should be a tackle, and there's some really good tackles, I think, in the in the class. So, you know, you'd look at it, and, um, and you scroll back up to the top because I was looking at the Purdue wide receiver. But at 12, you know, mm, I mean, tackles – in my opinion, although the NFL is evolving this opinion, uh, tackle is more important than wide receiver. But considering the the run on receivers, maybe it would be better to take a Quentin Johnson or a Jordan Addison. Probably Addison, I would think. I don't really know. I, I, I guess I don't really know. But um, I know Quentin Johnson is still higher up in terms of the overall projection. Um, however, I don't know if that's continually evolving or not because I know he kind of went down some a couple pegs after that championship game. But anyways, you take a wide receiver and then you follow it up with a Skaronsky or a, uh, you know, whoever it is that you think is going to be a good offensive tackle, Paris Johnson, whatever. But I think that would be a pretty good combo. The, the thing that would make people upset is you're taking a tackle after giving up a tackle, so you're probably taking a first-round pick and moving backwards in terms of actual help to your team. I mean, it's it's the right thing to do moving forward. But in terms of, did your team just get better or worse? Trading David Bakhtiari for, you know, Peter Skaronsky, we got worse. But it is what it is. I mean, he, David Bakhtiari is leaving one way or another. It's just a matter of, are we going to be prepared to do it? And this gives us our best chance to actually take care of that. 
Um, so that would be my only probable change. Um, otherwise, we've got Zach, Tom, and and I guess Yash if we decide to keep him around. Otherwise, I don't know. Elton probably goes back outside, which maybe could work. Zach, Tom, and Elton Jenkins. And then interior, we'd have, what, Runyon, Myers, and I guess Royce comes back, unless Sean Ryan could kind of take a step in year two, which is doable. And we could always take swings in the mid-rounds or whatever. Um, so it's 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 an option. I mean, th- there's a lot of options. There really are. I mean, yeah, you could go wide receiver, tight end. You could go edge rusher, wide receiver. You could go uh, defensive tackle, uh, Brian Brzee, and tight end, Michael Mayer. You could go... Um, Tackle Paris Johnson, wide receiver Jordan Addison. You could go Peter Skoronsky, Michael Mayer. You could go Jackson Smith and Jigba and um, Paris Johnson. You can go Brian Branch and uh, Peter Skoronsky. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of combinations. I don't. I won't get too carried away with uh, hyperbole, but there's there's a ton of of combinations that I think make sense. But again, the only thing I would probably lean on is your need for tackle spikes when David Bakhtiari goes out the door. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm, I'm more or less fine with that. As far I, I guess as far as doubling up on wide receiver, I'd be a little hesitant on that. Um, you know, I, I it's going to be great having great wide receivers. And even if we say, okay, Christian Watson is, is a really good wide receiver, and only one of these two is going to be kind of a stud, especially as a rookie, that still gives you kind of two studs. And then you've got, Dobbs is going to be what Dobbs is going to be. Maybe he ends up being a stud. Maybe he's just a quality player. The other first-round pick is probably going to be at least a quality player. So you've got four solid wide receivers with the potential that Samori Ture can kind of do some stuff and whoever else we end up drafting. So yeah, you got great wide receivers, and that's awesome. So we got Love, great wide receivers, terrible tight ends, serious issues with offensive line, especially depth. Running back is a concern, depending on the Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon situation. Um, defensive tackle is a kind of a disaster. Edge rusher is a disaster until Rashawn comes back, and then it's at least uh, decent, I guess, but questionable. Safety is a disaster. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just looking at getting Jordan Love help, which should be the priority. When you got Jordan Love, you want to give him your best shot, right? This is what we're going to evaluate him on, all that stuff. Give him your best shot, fine. Give him an offensive line. Give him a run game. Give him a, a wide receivers. Even even if the, you know, he doesn't even need a defense, because I'm not talking about giving him an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. I'm talking about an opportunity for him to highlight his abilities. If we're losing games 35 to 42, Jordan Love's still the guy. We'll worry about the defense later. From that standpoint, it's fine. But from a from a team building standpoint, it, it I guess kind of makes me a little bit uh, a little bit nervous. But I'm I uh, look. I'm going to do backflips either way, man. It's just as long as we're adding studs to the team, I'm going to do backflips. But anyways, we're uh, that kind of flew by. So thank you guys for calling in. We're going to end it there. We've got uh, we've only got four more calls left, so please call in 608-501-0718. If we do not get more calls, we probably won't have a show tomorrow. But uh, have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.